Al Jazeera podcast. Will Ethiopia compromise on its Grand Renaissance Dam? Yet another meeting is held with Egypt and Sudan. Addis Ababa insists the dam won't harm its neighbors, but will it accept a binding agreement? And what will be the long-term consequences of this dam? I'm Mohammed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, for more on all this, I'm joined by our guests in Addis Ababa is Yilma Selashi, professor of water resources and engineering at Addis Ababa University. He's also an advisor to the Ethiopian negotiating team. In Cairo is Sara Kira, founder and director of the European North African Center for Research. And in London is Alam Ahmed. Alam is also president of the World Association for Sustainable Development and director of the Middle Eastern Knowledge Economy Institute. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Yilma, let me start with you today. Before this latest round of talks, Egypt and Ethiopia had said that they want to finalize a deal within four months. So what is different this time? Uh, and is there actual political willpower that, it, that would enable a deal to actually be reached? Uh, thank you very much for inviting for this show. Uh, you know, the three countries are uh, very brotherly and they are tied up with Nile River. And uh, every leader wants the issue to be solved in as in shorter time as possible. So this is, uh, you know, political will. But the reality is uh, what we, the technical and the legal team are doing on ground. Sarah, let me ask you uh, your take on all this. From your vantage point, I mean, obviously, this has been a years-long dispute when it comes to the Grand Renaissance Dam. Uh, the parties right now are expressing optimism. They are expressing commitment to uh, the, hopefully, the success of the negotiating process. But, but what exactly has changed here this time? I mean, is there really a reason to be expressing this kind of optimism at this moment? Well, uh, speaking of optimism and a decade long or more for uh, negotiations between the Ethiopian part and the Egyptian part uh, in regards to the Nile River, well, as you mentioned in the report, or uh, it's been mentioned that we are pressuring, Egypt is pressuring for a binding agreement from the Ethiopian part, but unfortunately, the intake about yesterday's negotiations that has been very hard negotiations. And um, I don't think there is a lot of political power from the Ethiopian part to reach a binding agreement, or at least that's the impression Egypt is getting as well as Egyptians, not Egypt only as a state, as Egyptians as well. We are seeking peaceful cooperation uh, and a binding agreement too make sure that this file of national security of Egypt is really secured. The optimism comes from uh, the series of ne ne uh, uh, negotiations, of course. We, we come to the table, and that's optimistic enough, okay? Mm. We come to the table and we negotiate, okay? We have treaties, binding treaties. Uh, the fact that international law is built on treaties. And if we tend to change any historic treaties, I think the whole map of Africa will change. Mm. So today's optimism comes from the new membership of Egypt and Ethiopia to the BRICS, 
that's one thing. Maybe there will be uh, cooperative methods and mechanisms to deal with that. And we are not the only two members uh, uh, in, in the BRICS that have might have a little bit of conflicts. But the optimism comes that from the fact that this path could, le could lead to cooperative mm. uh, uh, efforts and mechanisms more than just um, a crisis or uh, 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 that we might resort to any other uh, political conflicts. But, mm. So there is this optimism. I agree with that totally. Uh, Alam, let me ask you, uh, are the parties involved in this round of talks actually thinking that it would be possible to affect a legally binding agreement in the long term? I mean, is that something that is being considered an actual reality at this point? Uh, thank you very much for inviting me and uh, thank you to meet your guest. Uh, no, I don't at all see any optimism because, number one, one of these three countries, as you're well aware, Jazeera is covering this on a daily basis. Sudan is a country in war now. We're talking about a country in war. So it's completely out of any thinking. The, all their mind now is to save their people in their houses, protecting women from rape and so on. Secondly, we were never going to reach a legal agreement on this ongoing dispute for nearly 10 years now with the Subia, between Subia, Egypt, and Sudan, unless we resolve the technical files. I have called for this for many years. Many of my colleagues, everyone called about this. Unless we know and we have full independence investigation, evaluation, and inspection of the technical files, which means the operation manuals, how this dam is being constructed, we will never reach a legal agreement. Because in order to reach a legal agreement, and we then discuss, lawyers will come to discuss the terms and reference of the legal agreement, we need to have two good answers. The first answer for the Sudanese people, if this dam is safe, it's not going to end up killing the Sudanese people by flooding. This answer, Subia has never provided a technical, independent, verified answer. The second technical answer, the Egyptian needs, which I totally agree with them, they need to see these technical files to be assured the water is not going to be siphoned from their land, because Egypt depends on this for almost 80 percent. We buy fruits and vegetables coming all the way to London from Egypt. Mm. Egypt is clearly saying this is going to finish their farming. It's going to kill their people. So unless a technical, independent, 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 I'm repeating it three times, because in the same chair I have said this for many years, unless a Subia allowed that, it will never reach the stage of a legal. We cannot discuss legal without mm. discussing the technical. And finally, Ethiopia, uh, and I know I've been uh, many times seen as anti-Ethiopian uh, progress. No, I'm someone who wants Africa to prosper. This is one of my global mission in this uh, organization. I have always argued one of the fundamentals for sustainable development mm. in the entire African country is electrification. So I am actually supporting any dam in Africa which will mm. bring electricity to the people because that's the major fundamental obstacle for sustainable development Africa. But at the same time, Ethiopia has shown that with evidence. This is not the first or the second or the third. Every time Sudan is in crisis, Ethiopians are trying to fill the dam, are trying to break the international law. Sudan, if the country now needs help, Ethiopia should have followed and done exactly what Egypt has done, opening their borders, accommodating the Sudanese who are fleeing prosecution, mm. fleeing rape, rather than doing the things which they have been doing over the last 
one or two months, I don't want to go further into this. Alam, Alam, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but you have you have put a challenge to our guests in Addis Ababa, and I, I actually also uh, Sarah has as well. So I, I want to give the floor right now uh, to Yilma to answer two of the things that have been said. The first, I want to ask you about your response because I saw you reacting. Your response to Alam when he was uh, questioning the safety of the structure itself. W what is your position on that? I will answer that one, but uh, it's very important to know what makes, you know, crucial, the crucial difference in the negotiation. Uh, about the Garbi feeling, the three countries uh, basically reached a consensus to fill the dam in five and seven years. If drought year comes, Ethiopia will not fill the dam. This has been reached in consensus. Now the second, Critical matter is about operation. Operation of the dam means in the next five, 10 or 20 years, how much water every year that the dam releases at Sudan border. So they want to, to know the future release from GERD. This means water allocation. It means we agree on numbers how much to release. Or in other words, uh, this is one direction. The second direction is from now on, after GERD, upstream of the dam, if any irrigation or water supply or hydropower dam Ethiopia is going to construct, we need to consult with Egypt and Sudan. It means you ask permission from Sudan and Egypt. Yelma, let of me course, also... Yilma, not to interrupt, but let me also ask you this, because Sarah had said that uh, essentially she doesn't believe that there is political willpower in Ethiopia to try and resolve this dispute. So I want to get your response to that. But I also want to ask you, one of, the, one of the big questions here is, would Ethiopia actually accept a legally binding agreement uh, it, when it comes to the framework for negotiations? What is your response to that as well? Yes, you are right. That is, I'm coming to that point. What we propose to them is, if you want to see our future dams for irrigation, for water supply and hydropower, first we need to have a water sharing agreement. Because that, that is a system where you ask one country, you are overdoing it, more than your share of water. Without that, you cannot commit to, uh, you know, uh, make a precondition for future development in Ethiopia. This is a crucial matter. From Ethiopian side, we have a will to negotiate on a water sharing agreement so that we solve the problem. L like they do, like Sudan and Egypt, they did. Although they are not including other upstream countries, including Ethiopia. That is, you know, very positive sign from Ethiopia. Mm. In fact, Upstream countries, for example, if you take Turkey, they have not negotiated water sharing agreement with downstream countries. It's not to our interest to limit our future development with uh, in our water allocation system. This is mm. a very positive step from Ethiopian side. Mm. But downstream countries, they are really insisting Ethiopia only generate hydropower from GERD, and in the future, you may have hydropower dam, okay, but no irrigation, no water supply dam for drinking purpose. This mm. is not acceptable for any sovereign country. 
This is a crucial matter, is it one? Uh, on, your, on, the first, on your first question about dam safety, that is already settled by international experts mm. and by Egyptian and the Sudanese experts. That is concluded. And the Sorry. dam is now being constructed. Sorry, Yilma, I, I need to get a question to, to Sarah now as well. Uh, Sarah, since the GERD is nearly completed now, I want to ask you how much Egypt's position may have shifted. Um, is Egypt now essentially trying to secure a political agreement over the timetable for filling the dam's reservoir and how the dam would be managed going forward? Uh, are those essentially the priorities for Egypt now? We need a guarantee that Ethiopia will not hurt one centimeter of our water, and we need a binding agreement, and we need a guarantee that Ethiopia will not break international law treaties, and will respect the neighborhood, and will respect our national security and our dependence on the Nile River for 97% or more of our water needs, because that's our only water supply. If we are talking development, we have our arms open for cooperation and development. And um, as our colleague in London mentioned, that it is our all, uh, it is the goal of all Africans in general, the development of Africa. So Egypt will never be uh, a restraining uh, a block in the, uh, in the way or in the path of development for Ethiopia or any other African nation. But what we need is a guarantee that Ethiopia will respect a binding agreement or at least would have the power or the willpower to reach a binding agreement with us to secure our own and only water resource. That's all what Egypt needs, a guarantee, mm. a cooperative mechanism to make sure that no hurt for Ethiopia or for Egypt or for Sudan, of course. And that's what international law says. But I cannot trust a party that does not respect international law. I'm sorry. Mm. If we go canceling treaties that bind all of Africa together since colonialism, uh, my dear, the whole Africa map will change. Alam, uh, in the past couple of days, Sudan's military leader, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, had traveled to Egypt to meet with Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. I, I want to ask you from your perspective, does that meeting have anything to do with the GERD uh, and perhaps aligning positions before these negotiations, or is it only concerning the conflict in Sudan? I'm answering you based on my analysis and reading of what is going on in, this, in the social media or in the news, uh, but not from a, a specific source. I have no doubt what Al-Burhan will have never mentioned or discussed anything with President Sisi about the dam, because there's so many, many important and vital, critical, crucial issues in the Al-Burhan mind and uh, now about the war in Sudan, the women in Sudan who are raped every day, the children who are being killed, the, the, the suffering of the Sudanese people. This is one of the ugliest war, uh, I think, in Africa or across the whole world. We have never heard of such a disaster. So I can't think of any chance President Sisi or President uh, or uh, General Burhan will have discussed anything to do with the Renaissance Dam. And secondly, uh, I think I, w I might only can inter see uh, my analysis would likely to be that President Sisi will be discussing with uh, General Burhan how Egypt can help more, how Egypt can get more involved in resolving this 
issue in Sudan, because Egypt has proven over the last five months is they are critical, they are the real good friends and neighbors to Sudan, completely the opposite to Ethiopia in terms of Ethiopia doing all these wrong things, starting from the prime minister. So I think, I don't think at all any issues to do with the dam has been discussed or will mm. be discussed between the two presidents. Their Alam, time me... is really critical for saving. Alam, let me also ask you, uh, getting back to the issue of the dam, um, can this dispute actually be solved among the three countries, or ultimately will a, a, a mediator be needed uh, to be involved? Uh, and, and who would best fill that role if there is a mediator going forward? Very good question, and this is a question really I think we should focus on. Number one, yes, I still believe the three countries can sit down together. But Ethiopia, as my colleague said, and I think I support and I agree with what she said, Ethiopia need to show to Sudan and Egypt they are a trusted uh, country politically to work with them. Just look at what Ethiopia has done over the last couple of years. Three times, at least, documented even by the, uh, the American government. They start filling the dam without even consulting Egypt or Sudan. So they have a trend, the, the Ethiopian government, they have a clear trend over the last three, four years of not uh, applying or following or guiding or being obliged by any international law. They need to come clean. They need to show that we people who respect the international law. And also, they need to show to the Sudanese in particular, they are a country, they can trust them with their future as a neighbor. Egypt has no need to prove anything to the Sudanese. They are hosting millions of Sudanese in their homes. They open their arms. Ethiopian, on the other hand, just look at the last two months. The, the, the Ethiopian uh, prime minister in the IGAD meeting question mm. the legality and the control of the Sudanese government. Can you believe that? This is a clear violation of international relations. You cannot accuse a government still standing in Sudan that they have no control over their government. And it was, it was a bizarre display. Anyone criticized it. Secondly, last two weeks or something, the Ethiopian government hosting militia, which is killing and raping people, accused by even the United Nations United Nations accused the militia of killing and raping people in Darfur. You're hosting them in your country with the opposition party. You can't have deal with people like this. So I Alam? think, I believe these are very good neighbors. They have to sit down. But Ethiopia need to show a good face for them to sit down. Uh, Yilma, I see you reacting. I know you want to jump in, so I'm going to go ahead and let you. Yeah, I mean... We better focus on GERD uh, because itself is a big issue because other accusations uh, without fact is, uh, is not really acceptable. Now, you know, my sister and brother telling us that Ethiopia has no water, a drop of water to fill the dam. This is really very unfortunate. Ethiopia has a share of water. We filled our dam from our share. We don't need permission. We need from our share, we make sure that it is equitable and reasonable. We use that. I mean, this is fact. We generate the water. We have a river. How do you think you don't have, you know, any water? It's not acceptable. It's, you know, this is that this attitude is the one which brings the negotiation for long and long period. We have a share. How much? 
Let's come, let's discuss together. All right, Yilma, you mentioned water sharing. I'm sorry to interrupt. You mentioned water sharing a couple of times. I want to ask you this because you're an advisor to the Ethiopian negotiating team when it comes to all this. One of the key questions that keeps coming up in all this is if Ethiopia would be willing to release enough water from the reservoir to help mitigate a drought downstream. So is Ethiopia willing to make a commitment about how much water they would release if that scenario came to pass? Yeah, you anyone can go into UN uh, website where the three countries submitted their proposal. We did that from our dam, from our you know resource we constructed during drought. We committed to make additional release downstream to the brothers Sudan and Egypt. We committed that Be more than the natural release what we get during drought period. We had that commitment. You know, the struggle is only lies. Ethiopia does not need river water for water supply for irrigation, but we need that. Ethiopia has, is affected by drought many, many times. Everybody knows this. Our economy is agri agrarian, so we need to depend on irrigation. We have Sorry. to develop our industry and, you know, our urban People there need water to drink. We don't need to get permission to do that from Egypt and Sudan. And this is very normal. So what we're saying is, let's let's discuss about the share of water because Nile River is very scarce. It is not abundant like Amazon or Congo. Without water sharing, you cannot solve it. Then we go for water management, and then the cooperation will go. We are brothers. No problem in that. Sarah, what can Egypt do if negotiations ultimately fail? And what would Egypt do if you cannot reach a legally binding agreement going forward? Actually, I'm impressed by the contrast. Mr. Advisor, you say we generate water and we have no problem with water sharing, but we need no permission. No permission and water sharing doesn't go along together because we share water resources. You don't need water. We know that. You need development and you need, you don't need water for irrigation, but we need it because our people will die if we don't have it. Our farming will go dry and everything will just go. And we are already in water poverty. So how would I trust Ethiopia giving me out water according to the treaty of 99. I'm not mentioning 59 and 29 now, okay? According to 99 agreement, how would I uh, uh, guarantee that Ethiopia would give me, as an Egyptian citizen, that Ethiopia would give me water if there is no binding agreement? Okay, we agree that there is water sharing, but you're saying you generate water and you don't need permission from us. From the long, for the longest river in the world, you don't need permission. Of course you need, because we share the resource. Of course we need permission because we respect international law and the already standing treaties, because that's what we're talking about. A neighborhood mm. policy is needed. A guarantee is needed that those people of Sudan and Egypt will not go mm. uh, uh, thirsty or will go poor because of... Ethiopia doesn't need a permission. The word we don't need a permission is totally contradicted to international law. 
This is a, we live in a world of a cooperative uh, uh, international society going mm. more and more towards cooperation because we, we the world can't handle any more conflicts. I will not answer that question saying mm. that Egypt will uh, resort to a military solution, even though I know that Egyptians are all over mm. their heads in that specific file. I can tell you, I can mm. tell you that we are really, really very fed up with Ethiopia restraining a binding agreement that gives us guarantee and gives us safety. Sarah, Where is I'm that sorry. from the Ethiopian plan? Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we have run out of time, so we are going to have to leave the conversation there. Thank you so much to all of our guests, Ilma Selashi, Sarah Kira, and Alam Ahmed. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Katya Lopez-Odayan, Fungi Nguyen, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Mohamed Subhi, Zain Abad, Khaled Sultan, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode. This week on The Take, we talked to a defense attorney about Donald Trump's chances of beating a federal indictment. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.